Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Are you looking for a unique learning system that is designed to recover learning loss, demystify learning, and make learning fun and easy? Then take a look at what Fearless Learners has to offer. Fearless Learners by Success Codes where all children can learn and grow fearless with a learning success coach by their side. Their certified learning success coaches make learning easy with their proven holistic coaching methodology, which is a unique and superior alternative to tutoring and teaching in all subjects. All of their coaches are certified teachers as well as certified learning success coaches who've left the school system to create the right environment to provide customized, and personalized learning experiences. You can find them at learningsuccessacademy.com. Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. My name is Robin Robertson, and I am the host and creator of this show. So this podcast is here to inspire, encourage, inform, and support you on your homeschooling, unschooling, self-directed, or alternative learning journey. And I know that you have a ton of questions and that you're probably facing a few doubts. And I know this because I hear those questions directly from you. So if you don't already know, aside from this podcast, I also offer some wonderful ways to get support because I get it. Over the nine, no, 10 years now and counting of taking charge of our own learning journey, my family has been through the highs and the lows the doubts and uncertainties, the naysayers, and the paperwork. So if you are there or need a little help getting over those homeschool hurdles, then here's two great ways that I can support you. My Patreon community is one where there's freebies, extra interviews, videos, and access to me for a live coaching Q&A every month, no matter what your membership level is. You can go to patreon.com slash honey, I'm homeschooling the kids or to the link in my bio. I also offer private one-on-one homeschool coaching, and I've recently opened up a few new spaces in my calendar to support either new parents or those that want a little refresh. So whether it's a one-off recalibration or five weeks with me in my five-week program, then go to my website for further information or to book a time directly with me. I'll also have the link to that in my show notes. So now for this episode, this was such a wonderful conversation that I had to share it on the podcast. It's from my Honey, I'm Homeschooling Club community discussion that I host on the Clubhouse app. And it was Kelly Edwards, Tyra Hunter, and I that had this conversation. And it was an amazing conversation on risk. It was so good, full of great questions and engaging discussion. We talked about risky play and risk-taking for all ages, trust, safety, 
parent fears, sleepovers, climbing trees, knives, guns, and the varying perspectives on each of these. We saw how deep this conversation can get with our different backgrounds, perspectives, and geographic locations. So I would love to know what else would you like to hear about the topic of risk? We found this is such a big topic and there's so many channels that go away from or direct to it that we're thinking about having a series on this topic. So let me know and enjoy the episode. Welcome, everyone. My name is I'm up here with Tyra and Robin and Risa, and we are going to be talking about risk today. So um, I'll just go ahead and introduce the room since I'm talking, and then we'll um, we'll roll around here and give intros to everyone. But if this is a conversation that you think a friend of yours is interested in, go ahead and share the room, which is the little arrow. Uh, our left of the screen, and we're going to chat going and all kinds of things. So one question I have for everybody to throw at is what word comes to mind when you hear risk and or what risks have you engaged with recently? So we're going to be talking about kind of the intersection of risk and homeschooling, um, risk in general. Is it something that's positive, negative? Uh, is it just nuanced? Uh, how does this uh, risk word go with um, threats. And so we're going to be talking about all that. So as we begin here, um, I'll just introduce myself. Again, my name is Kelly Edwards. I'm a homeschooling mom. We have just kind of wrapped up our eighth year homeschooling. My oldest daughter, I have three daughters. My oldest one is 15 and my middle daughter is eight and my youngest is five. And so we kind of have this spread of ages right there. We live in the Shenandoah Valley of West Virginia, and um, we're big on risk as a valuable part of our learning in our home. And um, I have a spouse who is working on all of that <laughs> in his life. Um, he is more risk adverse. So um, I'll just go ahead and pass off the mic and then just welcome everyone. So Tyra? Yes. I. Hi, how is everybody? Um, Kelly, I kind of took risk taking differently <laughs> um, because um, I looked at it as like going out and doing things that makes you uncomfortable that may have, uh, you know, that may be dangerous or not, or just maybe like you're stepping out and doing something and it's got like, it could has so many possibilities of being awesome or not. So that's how I look at risk taking because honestly, um, I'm not much of a risk taker. Um, Zoe, are you a risk taker? Neither is my daughter, <laughs> but she doesn't realize that she has been a risk taker of all the things that she has tried on her own. So that's about taking risk as well. So, um, but well, for those who don't know me, my daughter's grown. She's 20 and she graduated as an unschooler. So, and I think during our journey, Zoe took a lot of risk. I took the risk of even starting to homeschool. So I really like this conversation. On to you, Robin. Thank you very much. Uh, so my name is Robin Robertson, a schooling parent. I have two kids. My oldest is 16, turning 17 in the fall, and my 13, turning 14 in June. Uh, and we've been doing this for over 10 years, doing this as in 
um, living a life outside of school or what traditional school looks like. And um, I'm also the the creator and host of Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids podcast. And the, what is the um, kind of the, the beginning of this community? So welcome. I am happy to see everyone here and connect with you if I haven't already and talk about risk taking. Risk is, I think, a great thing. Um, it says I don't have a strong connection. Okay. Um, all right. Risk, I think, is important. It's powerful. And I think it's essential for learning uh, because I also think for me, risk is about uh, establishing an, an environment where you feel safe to try and take risks. Uh, because probably if you don't feel safe, you're most likely not going to take a risk. And I think. Taking a risk means challenging ourselves, um, growing, gaining new perspective, trying new things. And I think really that is the basis for learning. And I think that applies to us as parents, but also for our children as well. So I think this is going to be a great discussion. Kelly? I love that. Sorry, Robin, my husband's texting me about <laughs> with things going on in my house right now. So I'm a little delayed. And no problem. We, we got it. You know how it goes. <laughs> Do. Um, so I, okay. So I, I'm really liking how this conversation's framing up because Tyra is bringing um, the lens of risk taking in homeschooling and, and what that looks like and is, and that is a risk in and of itself. And then you kind of segue it off of that, Robin, and talking about like, we have to take risks to learn at all. And then Robin, I forgot the word you used. I think you were talking about safety, but I was thinking, uh, you know, trust that, that this all interplays with trust. And I had a quote, I'm reading an interesting book right now called Teen Mind, Teen Brain, written by Dr. Ron Clavier. I could totally be butchering his last name. But there was this quote I read earlier in this week out of this book and knowing this room was coming up, I thought it was so good. And he wrote... Trust is the element that makes risk okay. So I had to like pull that so we could share it in this room because I think that's really yeah. true, right? Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just saying yes and yes, I agree. I can I can't be quiet anymore. I just have to say yes, absolutely. Yeah, work super casual. And, Get oh, on in and here you know what, Kelly? <laughs> it made me think that, wow, I really didn't trust myself a lot growing up. Or maybe my mom just didn't trust me a lot. And so I didn't take a lot of risk. I was like, you know, I was afraid to fail. Oh, and that is so true. You know, the trust. Wow. That's, a, that's really deep. I, that really made me I think. have a question for you, then, Tyre and Kelly and Risa as well, then, and everyone in the room. On that perspective or on that chair, Tyra, do you think that you would have taken risk if you're not first, if you trusted yourself, but if your mom trusted you more, like if you flip that, do you think you would have had more trust if your mom showed more trust in you? Maybe my mom tried to trust me, but I always broke that trust because I was wild girl, but I always broke that trust. And then Robin, when I got on my own and out of the house, then I took all the risks. <laughs> I did everything. I wanted to try everything and it was so wrong. So, so coming from when I was in the household, 
of not wanting to risk anything to, for failing. I wanted to be like the perfect student, the perfect daughter, and I was not. And then when I got out on my own, I just wanted to be the perfect wild child and did everything under the sun. And then once I grew up, I that shaped all of me into this <laughs> grown up that took some risk. And if it looked like I wasn't going to succeed at it, nope, that's not for me. So yeah, I'm like not a risk taker anymore. Not, not so much like I used to be, which is a good thing because I was doing stuff that could, could have killed me or put me in extreme danger. Like example, and this is, this is between y'all, this is between us. <laughs> I was, I used to hitchhike. Horrible. Horrible. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> Where where were you hitchhiking to? I, I was in college. I, w- I went to uh, University of Kansas, and I didn't, I didn't have a car. And I, if I wanted to go to a party, if I wanted to go see a basketball game, I would, I would hitchhike like an idiot. That's a risk that, and that's another thing. When you take risks, you learn about what's the right risk and what's the other risk you should not do that will, you know, that will be right for your life. And I think that's what, you know, and I told my daughter about all the risk taking I took, you know, and it's also, it's real important to share your risk taking adventures, I guess, or stupidity to your children so that she can see, well, my mom did this and that happened. You know, I'm not going to try that. So my daughter will say she's not a risk taker because I think, I kind of made risk-taking like the worst thing to do. She just says that's her learning, like what Robin said. She looks at risk-taking as learning. She's learning to do something different. So she's trying something different that's good for her. Risk to Zoe has such a negative connotation to it because I made it that way. And I'm looking at it now as maybe I shouldn't have made it so negative, but, you know, risk-taking was so negative in my life. But, you know, on the other side of it, I learned about myself of what not to do and to share that with my child, if that makes sense. (laughs) No, this makes total sense. And I think this is a good segue into talking about, like, um, because your, your, your example just now is such a good example of, okay, so what is risk versus, like, a threat, right? And, um, Tyra, I know you are big on looking up words and so am I. Um, so I'm interested to know what, what you've looked up, but what, when I was kind of like evaluating these words earlier today about risk versus threat to me, <clears throat> threat, uh, well, I looked up in Merriam Webster and threat is an expression of intention to do harm. That's the noun, or it's the indication of impending, you know, uh, and that would be the verb. And so to me, I took those as being very person oriented. So when I think about like evil or injury or damage, it's, it's a threat is someone wants to harm, bring harm to someone or something else in the sense of damage or personal injury. Um, and then, you know, when we're talking about assessing risk as parents and, and uh, what we allow for safety with our children and, and things, um, how much of what we, how much of this is about our perception? And when you, when you said hi, um, you were not hijacking, sorry, hitchhiking. <laughs> when you were hitchhiking, I immediately thought of 
a gasp, you know, that was my initial reaction of like, yes, we're not supposed to do that. And it's kind of also how whenever my kids go outside and like today they ran down the street to collect some money for taking care of a neighbor's cat and they didn't go with them. And it was just my little ones. And I thought to myself, oh, should I be allowing them to run down the street unsupervised? Um, and then I was like, nope, yes, yes, you can. You are trying to bring up your children in a pl- and you have, you know, everyone, they know what to do. It's going to be okay. But it's kind of this like bathing of fear that we get from our society, from different news outlets, from just media in general, social media, that there, that kidnapping is our number one threat for our kids. And it's really not. Um, when we look at like stats and data, it's like, you know, drowning and car accidents, cancer, these are threats, like when we're thinking of big threats to our kids um, or risks. And so I just thought that this would be kind of an interesting thing to tease out, like what is threat versus risk and how does this relate when we're thinking of our homeschools and and allowing our children healthy amounts of risk uh, and how do we define that well you know i, I, define, I wanted to so, share something oh, quickly sorry, oh sorry i'll be two seconds but just along no with that there is there is a, you can keep your mic off I, I like it when we engage back and forth like this too there is a canadian researcher whose focus for many years has been specifically on risky play, especially for young kids and the power of risky play for their development. And her last name is Brussoni, Mariana Brussoni. Mariana, I think, is her first name. You could probably Google her. She has a ton of articles and papers on it as well, some interviews. And I know one of the the, the interesting um, sentences I remember that she had said was that the, the the difference of keeping children as safe as necessary, not as safe as possible. And I thought that was an interesting word choice. As safe as necessary, not as safe as not as safe as possible. I think so much of our culture of fear is keeping our kids as safe as possible, which so many times means restriction and denial. And not only lack of trust um, with for them, but lack of trust in all of the world. And I think the difference is, is when we in our home don't trust anything outside of our home, there's not there, risks are not going to happen at all because it's based on not only fear, but on that idea of being as safe as possible rather than as safe as necessary. And I know a lot of what she shares in being as safe as necessary is the importance of allowing our kids to explore, to be outside, to try things that maybe some might feel are dangerous, but also at the same time, um, really, you know, really we can actually help our, not only letting our kids take risks, but teach them and help them to manage risks. And that is what happens. You give them the power to manage their risks. And then that risk-taking becomes so much of an important part of their development and their growth as well. I can actually probably find one of her links and pin it up top too. Robin, I love listening to you. I could just listen to you all day. Aww, likewise. Because <laughs> that was so good. That was so good. I Wow. You just explained how I was with Zoe when she was younger. And I think it was because I was such a wild child and was always hurting myself. And my mom had me up at the hospital all the time for twisted this, broken that. And... 
I just kept my daughter in a bubble, Robin. It was like like what she what she said the lady said I, I was keeping her too safe. I didn't want her to do this or you know when people would invite her when she was in public school and she was real, you know, people just love Zoe and so I want to come to this birthday party or this get together with their kids. I was always there. I just could not understand why why people why people would leave their kids and go do something else. So at the party, I was like, no, I don't do that. So all the parents knew that if we if we invite Zoe, you know, Miss Hunter is staying. Oh, that yeah, I'm not gonna leave my child. I don't know you like that. And so Zoe kind of felt she said sometimes like. I didn't trust her. As she, as as she got older, she told me that she was like, "Mom, I would have loved to spend the night over one of my friends' house whenever they had big sleep togethers." You know, she was in Girl Scouts, and I was always like, "No, that's not gonna happen." Mm-mm. Well, she can go over there, but she can't spend the night. You know, it's because I was so fearful and just didn't trust nobody and you know they were all wonderful people and it would have been fine you know and zoe said i wish that's one thing that she wished she could have um was spend the night over people's house more even when we you know homeschooled had a co-op and knew all those people for years never and it was you know only some family you know it's that's just how i was and, and robin a lot of it was how i was brought up i was brought up like that you do not go, you do not spend the night over other people's house. Um, you do not eat at other people's house. Um, you don't eat other people's food. You know, I mean, it's like, that's how I grew up. And so when people would invite me to potlucks and stuff like that, you know, I'd bring my own food. I'd bring like chips or something. And I know when the co-op, um, had a, um, you know, every, every time the co-op would have something, a parent came over and asked me, she said, you know, I noticed you don't eat anything when we have these get-togethers. Why is that? You just eat whatever you bring. It's like, because I was raised that way. I was raised to be, oh my gosh, I was raised to be, to not trust people. Wow. Robin, this is like therapy. <laughs> wow. It's, in, it's interesting with that. Like, oh, sorry, Risa. I was just going to say, my family was the same way, um, very strict on sleepovers. Uh, but it also might be, I think, if any of you have parents that are, if you're first generation in either Canada, the US, or the UK, it might be similar. I know many, most of my friends who had immigrant parents as well, that was a common thing. And I don't know, I mean, that's something else to explore um, that, you know, no sleepovers and it was very much the trust, safety, but also not understanding culture, especially within um, what's considered like the North American culture, which is, you know, is different, right? So, and and religion for my, like strict, you know, there was very, some very strict guidelines and values. So no sleepovers was a common thing. The food thing, no, that was it. That's interesting. Um, but that's all. But, you know, our kids have sleepovers, but at the same time, we are very intentional about that. Like we know the parents, we make sure we talk with the parents, we know where our kids are going, they keep in touch with us, they both have cell phones, they text us, you know, if they are leaving that house and going to say watch the local hockey game, you know, they let us know, oh, we're, you know, we're, it's still a lot of communication and being in touch. Um, 
so that we know what's happening. We know the parent, you know, things like that. It's not, um, we're not comfortable with random. I just met this kid and they're having a sleepover. Can I go too? Um, which has happened. But um, so we do have, like there are sleepovers happening, but we're also very intentional with that. Um, and I think part of that is managing the risk as well. And I, sorry, Risa, go ahead. I'm going to pass it to you. I just wanted to add um, to what you and also Tyra said. I um, I think I was brought up that way. I, ne- I never took it as my, my parents didn't trust me, um, but my parents, especially my mom, didn't trust other people. Um, and so in growing up that way, I feel like I learned to look at risk as, um, as dangerous. Uh, I wasn't really encouraged to take a lot of risk. And so I just thought, this is what you do. You stay on the straight and narrow path just because that's the way we were brought up. Um, but sometimes I, I look back and wish my, my parents had encouraged me to take more risk. But I, I never, my mom didn't hold us back from a lot. Um, looking back, we did a lot of things without our parents. But I do know, especially my mom had some things happen in her childhood that made her very distrustful of people, which we didn't, we understood more of that um, as adults. Um, but yeah, I just wish we had that encouragement to take more risks. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense, Risa. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that the conversation has kind of shifted into, um, well, not shifted, but kind of like progressed because what we're talking about here in this sleepover conversation is, um, you know, trusting our kids in the care of other adults overnight, which that is something that kind of goes into that threat. Um, And I'm not saying sleepovers are a threat, but I'm just kind of expanding the conversation to include that uh, when we're talking about risk, it's different for every family. And, you know, um, I'm a licensed foster parent. All of my children have been adopted out of the foster care system here in West Virginia. So for our family, we don't do sleepovers for different reasons. Um, kind of centered around abuse and neglect. Um, But that's also a choice that we explain to our children and and when and if there is an opportunity where we feel like it's a a good environment and that that child is ready, uh, like Robin was saying. So I think that that's kind of an interesting thing when we're talking about risk, um, when we bring other personalities that are, um, you know, probably more than fine, but we have to do that risk assessment as parents. And where are we? Where are we with our children? Where are we in these environments? And I think that's um, a really important thing to point out. And then the other part of this conversation is kind of risk taking in homeschooling, which I know we want to get to, too, um, is like, what does that look like when it's not necessarily person related, but like, how do we feel about climbing trees? And how do we feel about, um, you know, playing around water? Uh, what about fire? What about knives? What about, you know, axes? Um, what about, you know, so a, a swinging, yes, 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 and really yes, hard high rocks. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think, um, talking about all of that, the benefits, um, what that does for learning too, is definitely something we want to get to in this conversation. Um, and it looks like we've got Ashley and Cindy here also. So welcome. And, um, just to reset the room for anybody who has just joined us, we're talking about risk taking in general, but also how it interplays with homeschooling and learning. Um, the difference of risks 
versus threats, and um, how how do we evaluate these risks? Um, what is what is valuable about them, um, and what does our perception really tell us? Um, and and what maybe needs to shift? Um, and I think we've we're kind of exploring that here. So I'll I'll mic back up and let the conversation flow. Um, you know, Ashley, uh, you're up here. Did you want to speak? Hi everyone. Can you hear me? Okay. Hey, Ashley. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, oh, Ashley. Hi. Thanks. Hi. I just jumped on, guys, because I had a few minutes. Um, so I was late to the conversation. So I don't want to take up any time to um, maybe repeat things that have already been said or whatnot. I think it just brings me up here automatically now with a new uh, Clubhouse update. Um, but I love this topic. It's so great. Um, I can already relate to things, of course, that have been shared. Um, and I think getting into um, oh, risk when play. I mean, I could share, but I'm actually, I would really just love to sit back and listen. I'm excited to hear what everybody else to say or what everyone else has to say. So this is great. And thanks uh, for the chance to speak, Kelly. You know what I was going to say, Kelly, um, is that when you, when in, in reference to homeschooling, is that that is, Zoe wanted to be a chef. I think I told this. And that is one of the ways that we, did in our journey was whatever she wanted to do we try it so i guess that is risk instead of like you instead of me saying we're trying something different i guess that is kind of risky so anyway the chef that taught her i mean we're talking about kids we're talking like nine ten eight-year-old kids that were using knives and i was like oh hold up my child's only like 10 11 what is she, she's cutting with these huge knives and sharpening it. I've got her, got pictures and videos of this child with, you know, with the thing on her head and a, and an apron sharpening these huge knives, happily doing it. And the, and the teacher's looking at him just happy. I was like, he's insane. But that was her passion. She loved that. And that was one of the things she still does to this day is cut. And she knows all about the cutting. And, you know, so and me, I, 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 I'm I, not allowed to cut in the house because I, I cut myself. I don't know how many times, but she is she feels safe cutting and using knives. So that's extremely risky. And at such a young age, she learned the safety of using knives. And so now, you know, as an adult, or even as she had gotten older, it didn't bother her to, oh, well, I'll cut those vegetables up, or I'll cut up that meat, or, you know, anything slicing. No, she had no fear. And so taking that risk, it helped her along with her, you know, chef, you know, cooking, but it showed that she didn't have fear. And, she, and I think one time she did cut herself, but she was like, you know what? That's just part of doing what I'm doing. And she just put it, you know, put a bandaid on it and kept on going. So, and I admire her for that because of, you know, I'm cutting myself. No, I'm, I'm not cutting. You know, when it comes time to cutting vegetables, I'm like, Zoe, that could you please do that? <laughs> so, you know, that, that's, uh, that's learning. Um, you know, you get hurt doing something and it's something you love still. Keep on doing it because I'll get better at it. So that's just my thing that just bought that bought up that memory of you when you said using risk in homeschooling. Mel Science is a subscription service that offers a range of educational resources and hands-on experiments for homeschooling families. 
If you're looking for an exciting and interactive way to teach science, Mel Science is a great option. And you're in luck because Mel Science is offering a 60% discount on your first box for all Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids listeners. Mel Science just launched a space subscription, which is perfect for homeschooling families who want to explore the universe and inspire their kids to become future astronauts or space scientists. Mel Science offers an incredible array of science experiments and educational resources designed to help children and adults learn about the universe in a fun and engaging way. From chemistry to physics, medicine to STEM, Mel Science subscription boxes are packed full of exciting experiments and activities that will inspire and educate. These boxes are a perfect way to give homeschooling kids a practice with the hands-on boxes and get them involved in science activities. With Mel Science, you'll get all the materials needed for each experiment, including detailed instructions and educational materials that explain the scientific concepts behind each experiment. This makes it easy for homeschooling parents to teach science to their children in an engaging and fun way. So, if you're looking for a fun and educational activity to do with your kids, Mel Science is a great choice. And don't forget to take advantage of the 60% discount for your first box and start exploring the fascinating world of science with Mel Science today. Just go to the link in my show notes and use the promo code MEL60, capital M-E-L-6-0. Yeah, that's such a good example, Tyra. And um, talking about knives and, and burning, I think the kitchen is a wonderful science lab that we can provide our children with beyond just making cookies. Like they need to learn how to learn use knives. I think, uh, you know, I, I shared this in the comments, but, you know, just give a little bit more context around it. Uh, this is very Maria Montessori um, also. And, you know, everybody knows I'm a big fan of her. Uh, as far as like trusting the child and giving the child the respect that they deserve. So, you know, using knives, um, you know, I think we started using knives with my youngest when she was two or three. Uh, she does have the nylon knives that we started her with. And then we moved her to regular knives um, as soon as she kind of got the concept. And so she, she, my, all my children use knives. They're out um, in our kitchen available um, for any time that they are safe with knives. And I think that's what risk really offers us is the ability to improve. And the, the downside, you know, they don't, they didn't start using knives without supervision, but once they became proficient, then they are allowed to use the knives um, in the context. Now we do have, you know, if it's a personal knife, like my husband has a, um, a pocket knife, we need to have a conversation with him before we start playing with his pocket knife. But as far as being in the kitchen, keeping the knives in the kitchen, using the knives for kitchen things, this is where we set boundaries. And then if there's a crossing of the boundaries or some kind of unsafe thing, it's the same thing with scissors, right? Um, for a period of time when we had a young child in the house, the scissors were all in one room. So I knew where they were, and then they were returned to that space. Now scissors can kind of move around my house. My youngest is five. Um, but it's just kind of setting those boundaries and allowing room for error and, and small injuries, like you were saying, Robin, you know, that safe is necessary, but I don't want to bubble wrap my kids. Yes, we've had injuries. Yes, we've had burns. Um, but these are all, you know, I burn myself. I cut myself. This is part of living life and, you know, becoming more and more experienced with um, things helps you become more safe. Thoughts, anyone? 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, I, I think uh, you, experiencing it is, I think there's one thing if you watch somebody taking a risk, like you're watching a YouTube video of, of someone taking a risk, is very different than you doing it yourself and experiencing it yourself. But the other thing I think as well, like the conversation with the knives, we did as well, my husband and I very early um, may, had the agreement that our kids would use real things, like real knives, real tools, things like that. And part of it, it was just we provided guidance as well. And I think sometimes we think uh, the risk is just like, see you later, let them try that and, you know, we'll, we'll help them if they fall or if this happens. But a lot of it also is being present to provide guidance to show how, you know, we can maybe ways that they can manage the risk and go from there as well. And with guidance, they also can feel safe and trusted too. And and then they can grow and expand. And that is a thing. They will expand on their risk. They'll take, they'll keep taking risks and um, grow in their risk taking, um, maybe take bigger risks. But it's important and powerful that from early on, they understand that you can learn to manage your risk like that as safe as possible, not, um, not absolutely necessary. You know, how we create that framework allows them to create their framework and guide going forward. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, and I think that's, I think that that's so great to talk about like all of that. And I know we want to get to Cindy, because uh, she's up here. And uh, I want to welcome you, Cindy, really fast. And then I want to get into climbing, because we just talked about like dangerous tools. But like, I also wanted to touch on I don't know what everybody else wanted to touch on, but I'll, I'll placehold mine here for like, elements like water, fire, um, you know, climbing, climbing trees, climbing rocks, um, nature versus playgrounds, things like that, I think are helpful to talk about. Um, so I'll just kind of like say that to the group to, to, for, so we can bring it back to, but welcome, Cindy. Thanks. Hi, um, Cindy. Hey, this topic is such a, I don't know, really important to me for some reason. Um, and so I thought I'd come up and share some various thoughts based on what y'all have been saying. Um, First is uh, different children, as you've already mentioned, um, meet you at different places when it comes to risk-taking. My birth children were low-risk-taking children, so I had to do more pushing. And then my adopted children were higher-risk-taking children, so then it was a, a different way to interact with them. So, for instance, um, they were just naturally curious boys who wanted to do lots of things. So talking about climbing, Kelly, um, you know, they wanted to climb trees. So we would, you know, find the good trees and say, these are good trees to climb because if you fall, you know, it's got lots of branches that'll catch you. Um, the other thing they were really interested in, uh, we lived in the neighborhood at one point when they were young, where there's a lot of construction going on and they wanted to look at that construction equipment. So we, um, Instead of just saying no, we would, when everything was done, my husband would take the boys and let them climb on the construction equipment under his supervision. Now, interestingly, the other element of all of this is I have my, we had our views and our thoughts were, well, equip our kids to go with them and show them how to properly do it and supervise rather than let them sneak off because they're curious but then you have society and the judging eyes, especially of today's world. Um, I had a neighbor come up and say, um, you're teaching your children to trespass. 
and we're saying they're children. They love equipment. We're here. Oh my gosh. You know, it was just so frustrating to have them come and say those things. And you had to kind of create your own, you know, my husband just went pishaw. However, that said, uh, we had CPS called on us. And some of the things that were said, and this was the same neighborhood, we were glad to say goodbye to that neighborhood. Uh, they said, this was in the, in the report, she lets her children climb dangerous things. And I said, and, and they had to investigate. And I, we said, yes, we do. <laughs> And and they went, well, there's nothing wrong with that. And they checked that off. She lets them go ride their bikes out in the cul-de-sac without her being out there. Yes, I do. <laughs> and we said yes to everything. She lets them go barefoot, sometimes even in the winter. I said, yes, I do. <laughs> you know, and she said, oh, I know. I, I, I asked my supervisor if I should even check this out because nothing is illegal, what was on the report. But because they mentioned one of my autistic children, one of them was, she lets her autistic child near the road. I said, yes, I do. <laughs> I do not keep them caged. It's a cul-de-sac. I tell all the neighbors, y'all shouldn't be coming down here, you know, driving fast. It's a cul-de-sac. Children play here, you know, but there you have it that if you're not confident when someone comes at you like that, whether it's a neighbor that comes at you, CPS gets called on you for ridiculous things. This is something you, that's why maybe I, parents are scared to give risks. Um, another example was my, I have one daughter and six boys and she was my nature girl. She loved to explore and she really wanted to explore the woods and with her dogs. And I'm seeing their breathing through it thinking, okay, you know, going off alone, you know, no siblings wanted to go with her. Is that safe? She was about 10. And I thought, you know what? I would rather not live in fear. I can't give that to her. I can't, I can't give that to her by teaching her fear. I will equip her with knowledge. So there, again, this was the construction equipment area. I said, listen, okay, wherever you go, look around. If there's construction people or somebody around that they see you go in, then maybe you need to come home because it would be probably strangers that would be more dangerous than let's say people who live in the neighborhood. I said, but otherwise, if no one's around, go in the woods, go for it. And so she did. And but anyway, these neighbors, same neighbors said things like, you know, you, I just, I don't understand why, how you parent. I guess I've never parented seven children before because they only had their two. And I said, well, that's correct. <laughs> anyway, so that's one thing. And then put a little pin in that and talking about teens. So around age 12, um, your brain shifts. Before age 12, you're, the brain is very me-centered. That's how they protect themselves. Everything's about me, me, me. And then around 12, their brain shifts to realize that they are a little fish in a big pond. And they are aware of their place and that there's a big world and they belong in this world. And this is when they want to start naturally seeking out what I call safe risks. And if I feel like it's a natural need, and if we still live in fear as parents, we can inhibit that. And so, for instance, in homeschooling, you will find that's around 12 or 13 when children ask to go to school. Why? Because they're wanting to take risks. They want to see where their place is in the world. And that's the only thing they understand exists. So you can give them other options, volunteering out there, uh, going to co-ops, going to other classes, um, sports, things to get them out so that they can see who they are in the world. I run a learning center for teens 
Um, it's something I feel super strong about. Uh, for instance, we went downtown and we did a, we do an annual um, scavenger hunt downtown. I put them in teams of two or three. They have to take pictures of various things. Some parents still freak out about me letting their kids go off in a group of two or three in a small town. And it frustrates me, I will admit, but I push and I push. It's something I believe in and what my learning center stands for is one of the things is giving them autonomy that's safe, but still feels risky to them. Um, but some people are still really, really uncomfortable with it. And I just say, well, the, my learning center is probably not the place for you then, because this is something I so deeply believe in, giving them opportunities to be by themselves and not have an adult hovering nearby. And it really is a brain shift need at starting around 12, 13. So those are my thoughts. I love that, Cindy. Uh, I, I One, I'm sorry to hear that CPS was called. And really, those so many of those elements that we're talking about today, the importance of risk and development that you were allowing your, your children to do and supporting and guiding in that obviously people are just really uncomfortable with. Um, but I think that's great that you went through all of that and said, yes, we do. And yes, we do. And this is what it looks like. And yes, we do. Um, I know Peter Gray talks about that, that environment or having that neighborhood where your kids can run outside and be free, essentially, and, so, and play and, and be self-directed is really an important part of building that environment as well. And having teens and that time, that time frame in their development where it changes and they want to take risks and explore and step beyond certain boundaries that maybe they see, uh, it's important and it absolutely happens. I agree as well. Um, I shared my podcast episode with my son, interviewing my son about his uh, trip because that was something we got from parents too. We got some pushback when we when our son left uh, when he was 14 to go work in uh, northern BC for a wildlife outfitters and um, and you know there was some who were not very comfortable with uh, allowing him to do that he was gone for six months yes it was very risky um, I see there is a question about gun safety it's interesting because where we live um, in Canada, in northern Alberta, and where he was working, it was up. It was paramount that everybody that worked there or was there knew how to use a gun, um, because where they were is grizzly bear territory, black bear territory. Um, you know the stories he has about you had to know how to just protect yourself <laughs> for life um, on the trail when you're alone with the horses and maybe one other person or you know things that happen tracking down horses that ran loose and you have to track them down on your own and it's you know it's a six hour ride by the time the horses are full out to gather them all together and bring them back back um, or coming across a grizzly bear that just like hit his caribou that he just killed and is eating and you know he's like watching you behind the tree as you pass by and you have to make sure you do every precaution necessary so that he doesn't charge or you know things that um it, you know and for that he has his we call it um he has his firearm safety course which is actually a fantastic course um there are so many misunderstandings around firearms and safety that he learned my husband actually did the course with him um and our legal rules and laws for canada anyways um and what you can and can't do it's an extensive course and uh 
you have to have it if you have a gun here in Canada. And it's actually excellent in education and knowledge with that. Um, so the perspective is interesting as well where we are too, because I think Brittany had mentioned living in rural areas and what's needed, learning how to build a fire, learning how to use knives. For us as well, bear safety. We have bears every year in our yard. Um, we have wolves, we have cougars. <laughs> like you have to just be aware of your surroundings and where you are, and that becomes a necessity. Uh, we could keep our kids locked inside all the time, but then at the same time, it's like, you wanna see the world. You wanna do things. You want to be enabled to do things as well. And, um, but also I know that allowing our son to go ahead and do that for two years away from home in an extended period of time. Um, and, but we also, again, provided guidance, knew that we were always there when he needed. We came up to visit so that he could see us in that environment. And we knew, even though it was very far away, we made that effort. We knew his bosses very well and stay, and we still stay in touch with them. We're connected with them, um, you know, constantly. And, you know, there are so many other precautions that we also took and, and helped him to get ready for that too. So he didn't walk in feeling completely um, insecure and not ready. Of course, you're going to have fears and things that you don't know, but we also, you know, he really understood that it's also a learning and that you can ask questions and reach out for help too. So yeah, there are so many points, Sydney, that I, and you know, you and I, you know, like, it, I agree as well. And it's, it's interesting also with homeschooling because sometimes there is that tendency to shelter in some ways, but exploring the world is such an essential part of learning, especially as our kids reach that age and teen years. There's my rant. I'm done. Oh, I love your rant, Robin. I love your rant so much. It's so good. And thank you, Cindy, this um, for bringing all of these things up, especially around teenagers. And what you were just saying, Robin, about like um, environments and, and especially about like, and I know Brittany was talking about this too, like where we are. And, and one thing to me is like just simply allowing our children to walk and explore, regardless of if we live in the city, if we live in the town, um, if we live in uh, the rural areas, because by allowing them freedom, like for, for an example, um, I think about myself when I, when I travel, one of the first things I like to do, I am, um, is run and just run around and get the lay of the land. I find so many things. I, I see the people, I see the culture, I see how things are going. I run into areas and I'm like, oh, I need to run back to where I was. Um, and it's just about having that exploration, that firsthand knowledge that's at a slower pace than driving. And you get so much more information. You get the noise, you get the senses, um, and being able to educate our children that way also to be able to have them out walking around. Obviously, anything we're talking about, when you first introduce this to your children, you don't need to be uh, just setting them free with no guidelines or boundaries or modeling. But um, one thing that was coming to my mind when you were talking, Robin, is like uh, my oldest, she went back to public school for fifth grade and the kids in the neighborhood walked and it really caught me off guard. Um, and I really had to check into like why I was so nervous about her walking. So I would walk with her. Um, and, and we walked with her and then eventually she got to where she can walk herself. I felt comfortable that she could do it. Um, and it, you know, this is your first child, you know, when it's your oldest child, they're kind of your learner child, so you're learning along with them. But 
being able to see that, yes, she was adequate. And then thinking back to my own childhood um, at 10 years old, I could, uh, my parents just like, I, we were on a military base and I was shopping by myself. They would just like drop me off and tell me when to show up and be picked up. And so I think, again, kind of pointing back to earlier in the conversation when I was talking about how much of this is this fear that we kind of hold is cultural and kind of been um, normalized for us just because we do hear such terrible things happening, um, but but statistically, it, they're not as dangerous as maybe we are we are led to believe. And so, I just thought that was kind of interesting to talk about um, the local lay of the land, uh, what how we can do this, how we can expose our children to more risks um, uh, uh, locally, and also you know thinking about if I'm a parent listening to this and I'm I, this is all blowing my mind, and I'm just thinking we're all a little crazy here. Um, how can we take these steps into um, risky play uh, and, and kind of growing our risk um, threshold as parents so that it can develop for our children? So I'm kind of putting that question out there for anyone up here to, to grab on to. Tyra, did you and Mike, did you want to talk? Thanks, Robin. No problem. Well, you know, we were talking about, you know, uh, guns and different things. And my husband when uh along our unschooling journey <laughs> my husband took zoe to a gun range and i was like oh i'm just so against it and because of my fear of guns because now this is just between me and everybody is when i was younger i was shot and so i just don't like guns and anyway but he said you know what you want this is you were unschooling we're learning about life he was she was like he was like i feel that my daughter needs to know about gun safety you know he's we're not gun fanatics but he wanted her to know about gun safety and to be comfortable around guns because i was not terrified because of what had happened to me and you know zoe went she was kind of nervous at first but she was nervous only because of me and just different things that she might have seen on you know, TV, but she's so very knowledgeable with it. And, you know, my husband, you know, he took her, he was like, well, Zoe, I, I need to change a tire or I need to put some of my brakes on the car. I want you to, you know, do the jack. And, and, and I was like, oh, but she might get hurt. And he was like, Tyra, <laughs> he was like, she's fine. So my husband, he is more of a risk taker, I guess, where you would be like, you try that, that might be dangerous, but it's not. It's just me being scared of different things, of, of my child getting hurt because I'm clumsy. And, oh, you know, what if the car falls on her? Me, silly things. You know, but Zoe has learned so much of risk-taking in a good way with my husband, you know, doing things that I would never do because I'm like, that's too dangerous. She would do it with my husband but they would have positive experiences with it. So there's a difference with that between me and dad. <laughs> oh, I love that positive experience with risk, Tyra. Um, you said a lot there about the positive experience with risk and then how you were kind of projecting your fears um, and your fears are substantiated. I'm so sorry that happened to you, um, but they were kind of being projected on your daughter and then your husband's like, nope. And uh, it's funny because in, in our home. My husband is the safety parent. That's what we call him. He's the safety officer and I am not. 
Um, and then it's also funny, personality driven too. I think, you know, all of us have different life experiences that feed into that, but there's also personalities that are more um, risk adverse and then risky. And it's kind of this, this mix. And that's why I think mixed age play is a really good to bring, thing to bring up in this, in this topic, because when children get to see other children experience something that maybe they wouldn't, and this could go negative also when we think about kind of classic peer pressure, but like, let's keep it positive right now and like explore when, one child sees another child doing something risky and invites that curiosity and that kind of questioning, that self-exploration for that child to wonder, well, maybe I want to try this. This other child is, uh, you know, throwing a big rock in a stream uh, and maybe I want a stream or maybe I want to walk across the stream because this other child is or climbing a tree um, to get into the cold climbing thing. I think climbing is so critical for development. There's so much literature and research out there. Um, But one of the biggest things I've heard um, and that I just latched onto about climbing is when you climb and you're climbing something in nature versus climbing something manufactured. So if you think of rocks, if you think of trees, your body ha- actually has to slow down and be present in the moment because it has to problem solve each foothold and each handhold. So um, every tree is different. Every branch is not evenly spaced. Like running up my stairs, I can do it with my eyes closed because I've memorized the spacing. If if that makes sense to everyone, like we just automatically know the spacing of stairs. And then if you go to some really old building back before they standardized the measurements in between the treads of stairs, <laughs> you might have trouble walking up those stairs because our bodies are just habituated to climbing stairs. So I think that's important to know. And when we're starting to climb trees, and I'll, I'll wrap I'll wrap up my little conversation here with that. But when we're starting to climb trees, um, for anyone who is a little nervous about it, uh, you can just um, t- teach your children three on tree, which means they need to have three of their li- hands and feet. So like two hands, one foot, two feet, one hand. As they're climbing up the tree, they need to listen to their body and then maybe not go up higher than t- twice their height. But what's interesting is like kids naturally like stop out when their body tells them not to. Like they are more concerned than you are about falling out of that tree. Um, and so I think you know, that's something to kind of encourage parents to let our children climb and let them climb high. My, my three-year-old daughter climbed to the top of this really crazy structure when we were traveling in Florida a few years ago. And it was freaking all the other parents out because here's this, she's, and she's super small for her age. So there's this tiny little person way up at the top. And I was fine with it. I knew that I trusted her. I knew what she was capable of. I knew she was being safe. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where you have to know your kid and you got to let your kid stretch herself so that she has trust in herself. And I'll wrap up with that. Um, so thank you. Yeah, I, I wanted to add in, in going on from what y'all have been saying, like the um, having that positive relationship with risk by being and doing things with them. Like you were saying, Kelly, walking downtown and being in those places, having them climb things, doing all these things so that when things happen, you can show them how to troubleshoot when things um, inevitably may not go right or, you know, you have to um, problem solve something. And that way, when they're going off, they've got these problem solving skills that they've learned while they've been with you. And then you have to kind of trust that, you know, and let them have those moments. And I'll even give, um, you know, I think about it with driving when I had my kids 
learning to drive. I would, you know, be with them as they drove different places. We problem solved different things happening. And then I let them go to that location on their own because they've problem solved through a lot of things. And now it's just time to let them experience it. I remember, uh, you know, I, I adopted, um, uh, biracial children and brown children. And I did a lot of reading and research on, on how to do that. And I remember them, the book saying, if you can keep them from having too much racism in their life by the age of eight, they will have had a firm foundation in which to handle racism better. And I really have found that even true. Like even as my brown boys got older, I would teach them about how to be brown walking downtown, how to be brown driving a car, how to even be brown walking in our own woods. You can't just take for granted because of our world. Um, I remember my son saying he was walking downtown about 16, 17, and people would, were in the South, and they would be driving by, calling him racial slurs, um, all this stuff, and he could roll with that. But, you know, he had, we, we kind of did things with him and them and all of my kids in various ways so that they're equipped to be out in the world and have a foundation in which they can handle things and not be traumatized because they have a firm foundation of being um, led and troubleshot with and educated on how to be in this world. I think if you don't do that, then they go out in the world and, and they're, they're fearful people. So that was one of my important things. Um, thank you, Cindy. This is this conversation is, you know, with that, I'm like, oh, we could have a whole other conversation that's very important, especially um, for those of us, I know, even on the stage that have um, interracial families, that have mixed kids, that have kids different color from them. Um, I think that would be a fantastic conversation. I know other parents as well that would love to be part of it too. Um, and how risk looks different for certain people within the world. And how do we um, understand and share that when maybe the risk for us or um, for a parent is different from that of a child? Uh, I think that's, uh, that's a fantastic conversation. And there's so many, you know, Robin, Rainy Robin brought up as well, risk within the internet and um, the risk within our own home for that is the wilderness of the internet. Um, you know, gun safety and what Tyra, what Tyra, you shared. Uh, and, you know, there, there's so many important conversations. Sylvia had asked that wonderful question. Uh, Simone had talked about the passage into manhood and what that looks like. And obviously that's involved with risk. And then we have that risk of just choosing to homeschool and unschool our kids as parents. And as much as I think so many of us are going to say, oh, we're risk adverse, we're not comfortable with risk. But then here we've chosen to do this thing in the world that is looked on as very risky. And yet maybe we don't feel comfortable, but yet we've chosen to do this thing with our family and learn a completely different way or live life a very different way, which is risk. And I think, um, I hope everyone keeps that in mind and remembers that and doesn't forget that that you, you, in that way, you are taking a risk every day. It is risk taking and you're learning and growing. So, um, are we, Kelly and Tyra, are we going to do this again? I would love do to. part B and C of this conversation? I would love to. And I, I, yeah. I like to include Zoe because she heard about us talking about risk. And, and it was just like I explained to you. And I asked her about, well, I think it was either what you said or what Kelly said about seeing other kids doing things and you would like to do it. She said, Mama, ever since I was little, 
I would see kids do stuff and I would like, like, no, I'm not going to try that. She said, whether they were successful at it or not. And I said, that's because you got that from me. I made, I made risk, risky type things as being, um, bad, a bad, you know, but I said, when you do things with your dad that I'm afraid of, you don't look at that as risk. You look at that as gaining knowledge in a way. So it was very interesting in our little side talk about hearing what you said about it. And she said that till this day, she never looked at risk as something positive that it can be. She said, because of how I made her feel about being risky. And I think that that's wonderful that that's something that now she was like, wow, mama, now I've got a whole new outlook on what risk taking can be. I said, because you're doing it now, you know, it's, you're very young and it took a risk on having your own business or selling your paintings or, or the different things that you did. You know, I said, those are taking a risk. And she was like, I never looked at it that way because she's always had risk is dying. <laughs> risk is doing something dangerous like my mom. So very, very good conversation. Very good. I love that. I, I took some notes because I think, I think I've broken out, like, I think we can do another eight rooms on, on breaking out this topic further uh, on risk. Yes, no, I'm dead serious. Like, I have a list. <laughs> and I think it needs it because we have to remember that, like, risk immunizes fear. Like, the more we move into positive risk and we, and we are safe about it and we are sensible about it, we're not doing things that are dangerous that are going to kill us, like you said, Tyra, but we are moving into places that make us uncomfortable just ideologically. I think we kind of like touched on that. It's important to encounter things that make us uncomfortable because that's where that growth and learning really occurs. So yeah, I'm here for it. I love this conversation and I'm, I'm, I'm sad that it's kind of winding down. <laughs> me too. Me too. I, I'm actually, I'm going to just quickly share. I shared Peter Gray because he talks a lot about, you talked about age, um, age mixing Kelly and risk and environment um, and his interview on my podcast. I actually re-released it recently. It's such a good one. But I'm also sharing, I, I shared with doc, that Dr. Brussoni, who is um, a professor at University of British Columbia. And I know she developed like a, a I think it's like a, I'm sharing it right now, outside play for parents that are fearful about um, outdoor play and having their children explore outdoor play and taking risks that is um, kind of like a like a checklist, I guess, or kind of a guide uh, for that that you can um, that allows you to look at the risks and learn more and say, okay, they're choosing this. What it's great because obviously her side is encouraging that more and more. And uh, so that's what I've just shared up top. So maybe she's someone we can reach out to Kelly and uh, have in our room or on the podcast or other spaces that we create as well too. So, and I know there's others on the stage too that I um, further want to have further conversations with too. So. I'm going to stop talking because <laughs> I know we're at the end of our time. And I think it was a great room. Fantastic room. Awesome. You could talk all day. I'm happy. I'm, I, I, I can happy. talk you all and day. I can. That's the thing. And I know you and I can <laughs> talk all day. Like we, so, but I got to put a stop to it sometime. <laughs>
<laughs> oh, well, awesome. Well, um, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Ashley, Risa, and Cindy for hopping up here and chatting with us. And for everybody that's been blowing up the chat, I'm going to have to go back and um, read it later because I know it was like solid gold and I missed some of it. Um, but the chats stay with the recording. All of these links that Robin has shared have stayed with the recording. And um, we just invite you guys to share this room um, with others who may found, find it valuable. And then we'll be announcing, I guess, when we're doing um, the risky play or risk-taking in homeschooling part two. So thank you, everyone. Um, any, any last words? Anybody wants to chime in, go ahead. But I'm just going to um, go ahead and say goodbye for me and let you guys um, say goodbye. I'm going to head out too, but I just also wanted to share our next room. Um, is it this Thursday? Brittany, I know you are co-hosting. Uh, maybe if you could just put in the chat the time and the which Thursday it is as well. You can tune in Thursday morning and the theme is consent and it's going to be a great one. That's all I wanted to share. Yes, it's at 9 a.m. on Thursday. And I think it's about autonomy. I think it's mind autonomy versus body autonomy. I could be a little bit wrong, but I think that's correct. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you to Ashley and Risa and Cindy um, for being up here with us. And of course, Robin and Kelly, I absolutely love being up here with you. I love talking with you guys. And just like what Kelly said, Robin, I can hear you talk all the time. Um, I've learned so much from you guys, even though I, I don't um, homeschool anymore. But I'm thinking about when I do move, about homeschooling my little nephew, who is um, will be two by the time I get up there. And so I'm thinking of, I have all these ideas. and Because I want to pass this along to another generation about how I did with Zoe and all the different things that I've learned from you guys. So I love, love being in this room. And, and I'm sure that there are other people that come to come here to get encouragement and ideas and knowledge um, from what we talk about. And it is so needed. So thank you very much. I just absolutely love you guys. Likewise. Thank you, Tyra. We love you too, Tyra. That was beautiful. Oh my goodness. Um, all right. Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you so much, Tyra, for the sweet words. I agree with you 100%. And I, I know everybody else up here does too. This is such a special community. Thank you, Robin, for creating it. <laughs> my pleasure. I, I Like Tyra, I, I come here and learn a ton from everyone that comes up and shares, shares in the chat. Um, I always learn something. So I'm appreciative for you guys and everyone that came up and shared and is part of this community. So thank you. Have a great night, everyone. This episode was brought to you by Fearless Learners by Success Codes. Book your free clarity coaching call with one of their learning success coaches at www.learningsuccessacademy.com or check out their free weekly show from Fear to Fearless on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Go to learningsuccessacademy.com. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas and reflections on the episode. You can go to the website imhomeschooling.com or email me directly robin at imhomeschooling.com. 